Hi, and welcome to the Stunt Show here on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Leo Razamik, your host for today, and my goal today is to try and get you all in the right mood for Rosh Hashanah with various Divrei Torah from different people. Before we start, I would like to share a thought that I've put together with some help from my notes from seminary. We seem to talk about the mitzvah of tshuva a lot this time of year. Growing up, we all used to be taught that if we apologized for what we did, then we would be forgiven, which isn't really so hard to do. But in reality, as we got older, we realized that this might not actually be tshuva. Maybe it's not a once-a-year I'm sorry. In Parsha Nitzavim, this week's Parsha, where the mitzvah of tshuva is discussed, the Mefarshim go back and forth debating whether, the, whether or not the Rambam even counts tshuva as a mitzvah. In the end, they decide that he does, but not in the technical sense of a mitzvah, which we might think. The Rambam claims that there is no specific action that goes along with tshuva, as we may have thought, like lulav, for example. It is actually more similar to the mitzvah of Shema, requiring certain feelings in order to accomplish the mitzvah. But that's not all. Tshuva is a full-time commitment. Real tshuva is when we are lashuv to ourselves. We return to the person we should be. When we sin or live an unfocused life, we become someone we are not, a completely different person, like Alicia became when he was Acher. The mitzvah of tshuva requires us to return to the person we are meant to be. It isn't just a tefillah. It's a change, a transformation we need to make. This rendition of the mitzvah of tshuva may be harder to accomplish than we first thought of the mitzvah of tshuva, but it is not impossible. In theory, we should be able to do it, but there seems to be something holding us back. We are scared of change. We don't think about our lives that deeply. We don't want to. We are so busy with a variety of other things that we don't want to stop and take a minute to look at the meaning of the words in the machzer, to think about the things we have done that Hashem doesn't approve of. Rav Cook said that we must take responsibility for our actions, which we can only do once we look inside ourselves. Rabbi Nepal, one of my Rebbeim and Shalvin for Women, points out that when we are standing at Ni'ilah on Yom Kippur, that is it. Full count, two outs, bases loaded, it's rally time. The last thing we are doing, tshuva for, is stealing. What did we steal? Rabbi Left says that we didn't actually steal an object, but rather that Hashem created us with unbelievable power and endless opportunities that we take for granted every time we skip the chance to find it within ourselves to change, to take that step and to become who we should be. So, so if we are having such a hard time with this, what can we do? How can we actually change? We can start with four simple steps. Number one, think. Think about your life. Think about what you have done for the world, and more importantly, what you have done for yourself this year. Number two, remove the static. Hashem is trying to reach us. He's trying to call our names, each and every one of us. But there's too much in between us and Him for it's us to be able to process what He's saying, for us to even hear it. It's fuzzy. Number three, Learn. Hashem literally gave us the handbook on how to lead a life worth living, and we should take advantage of it. He already told us what to do and how to do it. 
Number four, realize who and what you are. Banim atem lashem, mamleches kohanim vegoi kadosh. We could be great. Hashem is waiting for it. He put us here to be amazing, so we shouldn't get caught up in the details. If we are able to focus on ourselves and how we can grow, then we can fulfill the mitzvah of tshuva as described in this week's parsha and by the Rambam. It's not just a one-time thing. It is a full-time job, and we can do it. For so very long You've always been doing things wrong And because of your many mistakes You think there's no hope You feel it's too late Hashem is so kind you forgive you Each day you can Hashem is so kind, He'll forgive you With tshuva that comes from the heart The bad things you did yesterday With tshuva can all go away Just be sorry and say to Hashem I know I've done wrong I won't do it again Hashem is so kind He'll forgive you Each day you can have a new start Hashem is so kind He'll forgive you With tshuva that comes from the So kind and full. Oh, this is wonderful. Each day I'm going to become a, a new star. star. I'm going to do so good and so We are now going to hear Zvar Torah from Rabbi Dr. Benji Epstein. Dr. Benji, as he is more well known, is an experienced psychologist, author, and speaker who blends traditional cognitive behavioral therapy with mindfulness and acceptance techniques. During the summer, he works as a staff psychologist in Camp Hask, where he provides support and assistance to more than 300 mentally and physically handicapped children and adults, as well as more than 450 staff members. He is currently living in Yerushalayim with his lovely wife and three very energetic children, and will God will be publishing a book on Jewish mindfulness in the upcoming year. Shalom, Leora's listeners. It's a tremendous schuss and a privilege to be able to share some of the thoughts that I've currently been spending a lot of time thinking about before the Chag. And hopefully uh, these words and ideas will resonate with you and assist you in having a ksiva v'chasimatova. 
This idea is adapted from Rav Avram Tzvi Kluger Shlita. And I feel like it's very much to the point as we prepare for what we take and feel is a massive responsibility going into Rosh Hashanah. It's how can we really get to the crux of what Rosh Hashanah is all about. I'm sure many of us are familiar with the Gemara that says that there are three books uh, that are open on Rosh Hashanah. The Gemara speaks of the books of the Sifran Shal Rishayim, of the wicked, Sifran Shal Sadikim, of the righteous, and the Sifran Shal Benonim, of the intermediaries. It says that Sadikim on Rosh Hashanah are written immediately for life. The Rishayim, also written immediately, but for death. And the Benonim, the intermediaries, are sort of in this wait-and-see period of what's going to happen during the Aser Yimei Teshuvah, and hopefully they'll do tshuva during that time and be written for life. Now what's really clear is that we're not talking about actual books. And this is a lingering delusion that would be best for us to get rid of and to sort of erase that picture from our minds, almost evoking images of some other religion where somebody's keeping lists of who's naughty and who's nice. There are no books and there's no actual writing. What Chazal are referring to is the concept of enrollment, of signing up, of registering. That is what is really happening on Rosh Hashanah. There is a list which is determined on Rosh Hashanah, but this list is figurative. This is not an actual list. So what exactly is the process to get on this list that we so badly want to be a part of? The Rambam in Nechaz Tshuva, in Parag Gimel, Halacha Gimel, adds that there's an additional image for us to consider, the image of scales, how each year on Rosh Hashanah there is a weighing of a person's merits and iniquities, and one who is found to be a tzaddik is inscribed for life, and of course the opposite would be for the Rashaim. Here again, we're not talking about an actual scale, with one side being laden with mitzvot and the other side with Khalila Averut. Rather, the concept of weighing, of making a shikul, of considering, of assessing and evaluating, is what the Rambam is highlighting. Each of us attribute importance to the activities that we pursue in our day-to-day lives. We all have an internal scale. It's a way of prioritizing and weighing the things which demonstrate what matters most to us in our lives. What are our priorities? The Avodas Yisrael, the Kajnitzer Magid, explains in the name of his Rebbe, the Magid Mimizrich, that the writing in the Book of Life, for being inscribed for life, all of that writing, all of the engraving, is occurring in our own minds. That so-called book, the Sefer Achaim, is inside each and every one of us, and the outcome of the judgment on Rosh Hashanah depends entirely on how we weigh the priorities in our lives. We are the ones who determine our judgment through our attitude, commitments, and priorities. The Rambam in Hilchus Tshuva Parag explains that the weighing has nothing to do with the quantity of good deeds or averos, but rather in the quality. And there's only one, only one who knows what we truthfully want. 
This weighing can only be done by Hashem who understands each individual person. And on Rosh Hashanah, the priority, the primary focus of all of our tefillos, thoughts and actions are what do we truthfully want? Essentially, all of Rosh Hashanah comes down to this. Are we people whose primary motivation is Kvod Shamaim, is to increase the glory of Hashem's name in the world? Because if we are, then essentially what we've done is inscribed ourselves into the Book of Life, into Sifran Shel Tzadikim. Now this doesn't mean that this person who is inscribed in the Book of Life is going to be perfect. The Tzadik isn't perfect. He has difficult days and challenges. Even the Pasuk says, Sheva Yipol Tzadik Vikam. Failure is part and parcel of the process. He might even be prone to have these occasional mishaps. But this tzaddik, in spite of his shortcomings, in spite of his failings, after all is said and done, clearly identifies through his words, actions and thoughts that the ikr, the main part of his life, is increasing kavod shamayim. And he is therefore able to live that year with a life that consists of kavod shamayim as his priority. He has written himself onto that list because this weighs more than anything to him. We say repeatedly in the Shona Esri of the Aserah Simei Teshuvah, Zachreinu l'chaim, melech hafeitz v'chaim, v'chasveinu v'chasmeinu b'sefer ha'chaim, l'mancha elokim chaim. What does that mean? Remember us for life. The Chavetz Chaim explains the simple pshat that we need to live with at this time. Is that the Sefer HaChaim that we so badly want to be inscribed in is in the book of those whose lives revolve around the access of Lema'ancha for your sake. That's the book that we want to be written in so badly. We therefore have this ability to inscribe ourselves into the book of life because we make the conscious decisions, lemancha elokim chayim. If a person's personal interests are more important for him, then de facto he's going to be inscribed in a different book, and that's how his year will be. A life pulled by the wants and needs of his own selfish desires, and not lemancha. And parenthetically, what sort of life is that? Is that really life? Real life is only Laman Chaim. If someone is torn between what they want and what Hashem wants, he's called a Benoni. He's pulled in both directions. And for that person, the Aser Simeachuva are critical. It is the time for your mind and heart to reevaluate what's most important for you, what's truly important. All of our davening on Rosh Hashanah is to strengthen this feeling of Kvot Shemayim. To strengthen within ourselves this longing to sign up, to register, to be part of this track. If the desire and objective of our lives is to do the will of Hashem, so even if we aren't always successful, even if it doesn't always go the way we intend it to, sometimes we might lose, sometimes we may give in, but the Ratzon, that book in our mind, that scale that decides what we prioritize, that remains intact 
despite the fact that there may be failures, Hashem checks what is the most important to us. To what do we give most weight? And according to that judgment, that weighing, the Ksiva and the Chasima takes place. Each and every single one of us is a Chelek Elokamimal. We all have a Chelek of Hashem within us. And we so badly want to only go after Kavod Shemayim to reveal it more and more in this world. But this desire is often hidden deep in the recesses of our being. And often we're more in touch with the shallow and superficial desires rather than the Ratzon of the Neshama. So the Avoda, the service of Rosh Hashanah, isn't about crying over our Averos, but rather it's to do tshuva, to find our way back, back to our inner truest self, our inner truest desires, by once again giving the highest priority to Hashem, to make Hashem the pinnacle of our lives, to crown Him and king Him over every aspect of our lives. And if we're able to do that this Rosh Hashanah, then we're guaranteed for a Ksiva V'chasima Tova. L'alter L'chaim Tovim U'l'shalom. Thank you very much. Sure.
We have its Var Torah from Asher Becker. Asher is in his second year in Smicha and YU. He is an NCSY advisor for Midwest NCSY and helps out a lot with the educational department of NCSY. He's been on NCSY Kolal for the last eight summers and loves giving Parsha Shiram on Thursday nights where he goes through what he calls the juiciest Kliyakar and Chazim Sofers on the Parsha. We are just a couple of weeks from the onset of the holiest day of the year of Yom Kippur. Many uh, of, of, of the tefillos that we recite in the, the depressing story of the Asara Haruge Malchus, the Ten Martyrs, and there are many, many features that stand out as part of the davening on Yom Kippur. And one of the things that seems quite odd about the tefillah on Yom Kippur is the way in which we open the tefillah. One would imagine the inspirational day there may be an appropriate l'shem yichud or hinanimuchan or some sort of a preparatory genesis ready this holiest day. And yet, if you look at the opening tefillah of Yom Kippur, one is struck by the utter blandness and the utter lack of creativity and choice of tefillah that opens up Yom Kippur. The tefillah to which we refer, of course, is that of Kol Nidre. Kol Nidre is known more for its chazanas than it is for its content. For if one were to look in any English translation of Kol Nidre, one would almost fall asleep in boredom. One would almost see a lack of inspiration spilling off the page. Kol Nidre is a tefillah about asking Hashem to annul all vows and many variations of vows that we have taken throughout the course of the year. And it seems like a very odd thing to open Yom Kippur with. Aside from the technical halakha question as to why there's even a need to do Kol Nidre, didn't we already just do Hataras Nadarim 10 days before an era of Rosh Hashanah? What exactly are we doing now? Leaving that question aside, the question in general is, why is Kol Nidre the feature, the opening tefillah of Yom Kippur? And I would like to suggest the following idea. If one looks throughout uh, Meseches Nedarim, through Mishnayis and Nedarim, one sees the clear impression one person takes a neder from another, be it a friend, be it a spouse, be it a father to a, to a daughter, one always sees the line, the, the terminology used in the Mishnah of Hamudar Hana'a, one who takes a neder to refrain from benefiting, to refrain from getting Hana'a from another person. 
And the question is, what exactly does that choice of words, Hamud or Hana, refer to? What does that exactly mean? When one takes a nether, one effectively creates a barrier between him and another person. There is some type of wall now created that prevents you from connecting to another person. We read in the Musaf Tefillah of Yom Kippur, when the Python describes Yom Kippur as Yom Simas Ahavavireus, a day of building up friendship and camaraderie, Yom Azivas Kin Avesacharus, a day of forsaking jealousy and competition. Yom Kippur is all about building up broken and lost relationships with our friends, with our spouses, with our parents, with our children. It's all about rectifying those lost relationships. Obviously, a central feature of Yom Kippur is about connecting to Hashem as well. But we know that much of the tshuva and much of the avoda that we talk about on Yom Kippur also has to do with our averos, being Adam lachavero, and those sins and those things that we have done that that have blemished our relationships with our friends, with our spouses, with our parents and children. Yom Kippur is the day where we try to build back those broken and lost relationships. Therefore, there is no more appropriate tefillah to open up Yom Kippur than to ask Hashem to get rid of all of those barriers, to get rid of all of those nidarim that are creating a wall, that are creating a blockage between me and my friend, between me and my parent, between me and my spouse, to get rid of that wall, to get rid of that Thing which is preventing us from coming closer to our friends and in this way we should be able to rectify our lost and broken relationships and in this way we should all be Zoha to Aksiva Vachasima Tova It doesn't matter if you love pig or capital Hey Hashem Just put your spots up Cause it's Coney Dre, baby. My baby told me when I was young, someday I go play so far. I sang a prayer, got my practice song, chose instead to play guitar. I went on tour and I traveled far Tried to live the Jewish way But now I've got a lot to make up for This is why I gotta play Come on and keep the faith They're open up the gate It's time to come back Baby, to it, call the train The catch is breaking the sweat The rabbi joins them to it It's time to come back Baby, to it, call the train Express yourself with you, man, through. 
Fasting for hours will make you so thin. Believe in capital A Hashem. From the jump keep on until the next. Abba Ale no le tova. Come on and keep the faith. They're opening up the gates. It's time to come back. Baby, to it, come the train. Don't let your stomach upset. We've got the brakes back all set. It's time to come back. Baby, to it, come the train. Ooh, this is the time to pray. Baby, come and come the train. Baby, come and come the train. Come the train. Ooh, this is the time to pray. Baby, I'll select you, man. Teshuvah. Baby, come and come the train. Just pray your crumbs into a stream. Repent for ten days in between. Yes, Vardik Ashkenaz descent can sever ducks free from movement. As hunger got you on your knees, after the fast won't have Chinese. You better stop yourself today, cause baby, time for COVID. Well, you with you, it's fine. If the RNCSY, BBY, oh, a birthright. We're one big family tonight. You spent the summer away with all the friends that you made. But when you come back, baby, those high Our next bar Torah is from a friend of mine named Tzvi Silver. Tzvi was born and raised in Teaneck, New Jersey. He attended YNJ and TABC before he moved to Israel four years ago to learn in Leiv HaTorah, followed by studying in Machon Leiv. He plans on joining the army after graduation and never wants to leave Israel. If you asked anyone in the observant Jewish world to summarize the month of Elul in one word, there's a good chance they would say Tshuva. It's not difficult to see why. We famously divide the name of this month into an acronym, Anil Dodiva Dodi Li, highlighting the power of the unity that can come once two brothers have done tshuva, forgiven one another, and thus enter into judgment without any negativity between them. After Rosh Hashanah, this theme is even stronger as we enter the Aserti Me Tshuva, the ten days of tshuva, an optimal time to get in one's last-minute tshuva before the finality of Yom Kippur. Simply put, one cannot have Elul or Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur without tshuva. What exactly is this tshuva that we must immerse ourselves in during the sacred period? If we turn to Parsha Nitzavim, we read, And you shall return until Hashem your Lord, and you shall listen to His voice, just as I, Moshe, have commanded you today, you and your children, with all of your heart and all of your soul. Taking this well-known pasuk by itself, with the first word Shavta coming from the same root as tshuva, it seems clear to us that doing tshuva is returning from our evil ways, embracing Hashem's commandments, and taking upon ourselves to walk in Hashem's way in the future with all of our hearts and souls, never to transgress again. 
It certainly follows the model presented by Rambam in Hilchot Shuva, feeling regret, then confessing and apologizing to those we may have hurt, and then finally accepting upon ourselves not to repeat the sin again in the future. While this model of doing tshuva is very well accepted in virtually all sects of Judaism, I would like to present an alternate approach to doing tshuva, one which religious Zionist leaders such as Ratzviyuda Kukzatzal have expounded from the Pesukim following the original one Nitzavim. Then Hashem, your Lord, will turn your captivity and have compassion upon you and will return and gather you from all the peoples from where Hashem, your Lord, has scattered you. If any of you that are dispersed will be in the furthest parts of the earth, from there will Hashem, your Lord, gather you and from there He will fetch you. Hashem, your Lord, will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed and you shall possess it and He will do you good and multiply you above your fathers. Only after these steps does Moshe return to the theme of a more traditional form of tshuva. And Hashem your Lord will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring to love Hashem your Lord with all of your heart and with all of your soul so that you may live. The order of these pesukim seems to make it clear. Before people will be able to return to Hashem and serve Him as perfect spiritual servants, they must first return to Hashem in a more physical way by moving home to the land that He promised our forefathers. According to Ratzvi Yehuda, the placement of a physical tshuva before the complete spiritual one is not only an order of priorities, but also a cause and effect. In the Jewish people, God's chosen nation, who once dwelled in the most significant and holy country in the world, is scattered around the world. It is a terrible chilol Hashem, because all the nations will look at us and doubt His might. As David HaMelech wrote, and we say every Shabbat morning, Why do you allow the nations to say, where is their God? For two millennia, we had no choice. We wandered through the exile, going from one country to the next, spreading the desecration without any hope of breaking the cycle. However, with the beginning of our modern return to Zion in the early 20th century, cemented by the founding of the State of Israel in 1948, recent generations have been given an opportunity to stop the desecration of Hashem's name. We can do tshuva in an ideal manner which the Rambam could only dream of, and through his physical return, the so can make it clear that his spiritual return is immediately forthcoming. The challenge of our generation, which has been codenamed Ikvata the Neshicha, or the Heal the Redeemer, is to embrace the former tshuva so that we can merit the latter. As we are well into the season of tshuva, the only question that remains is how. How can I, someone settled in the life of exile, who can't just get up and move, try to do this physical tshuva? To answer this, I refer back to the well-known guideline of the Rambam for tshuva, as shown in the Pesukim and Nitzavim. First, one must do the intellectual tshuva and realize that he is not yet living in the ideal geographical location. For most in our modern Orthodox communities, this is not as difficult to accept as it is to recognize on a daily basis. As we read in the Haggadah once or twice every year, in every generation one must see himself as if he has left Egypt. The challenge of our generation is to realize and accept that we are still in Egypt, that the comforts of the diaspora are not where we belong. After this, the next stages are implementing steps to actualize this tshuva and eventually make the move home to Eretz Israel. But even those who cannot yet make Aliyah due to practical considerations can and must still do this first step of tshuva in order to have a part in the greater national, physical, and eventual spiritual tshuva. As we prepare for Rosh Hashanah, colloquially known as Yom Azikaron, let us take to heart from the collective messages of Moshe Rabbeinu, or Moshe Ben Maimon, or Tzihudakuk, by remembering that we are now geographically deficient and taking steps through physical and spiritual tshuva to remedy it. With Hashem's help, may we all merit a year of redemption, safety, fulfillment, and good health, complete with important realizations and tshuva, and a speedy end to our painful exile 
very, very soon. Shana Tova, Ksivachatima Tova.
Now we have a Dvar Torah from Rabbi Benzikin. After receiving his bachelor's degree in operations from Columbia University, Rabbi B. moved to Israel where he studied Talmud for nine years. He was a founding member of the Jewish Study Network in Palo Alto, California, where he taught and ran programs at the universities of Berkeley and Stanford. He enjoys cooking, playing racquetball, frisbee, drinking espresso, and philosophical discussions. Rabbi B. joined the JLE team as a coordinator of the Genesis program in Nottingham. Rabbi B. is also the Rav of the Gibraltar Minion in London. Hello, everyone. I would like to share with you some ideas to understand the duality of Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is a very, I guess, confusing or you may even want to call it a schizophrenic day. On the one hand, Rosh Hashanah is a very serious and solemn day. It is, after all, the Day of Judgment, the Yom Hadin. On the other hand, it is a Yom Tov. It is a celebration. It's a festival. So how do we understand the duality of the day? We're supposed to do both things. We're supposed to, in some way, be very serious and supposed to concentrate on what's relevant, what's important. And on the other hand, we're supposed to sit down and have a fancy meal and uh, dress up. I mean, how are we supposed to make sense of these two aspects of Rosh Hashanah? I'd like to start with a celebration. What is it exactly we're celebrating on Rosh Hashanah? So, our sages, Chazal, tell us that Rosh Hashanah is the anniversary of the creation of Adam. Adam and Eve were creating, Adam and Chava were created in the Garden of Eden. They were created on the day of Rosh Hashanah, which means that the sixth day of creation was Rosh Hashanah. Now, I can tell you from experience in uh, the fe- the 8th of February 1998 two things happened simultaneously number 1 I was blessed my wife and I were blessed with the birth of twins so on one hand it's the birthday it's the birthday of my twin girls on the other it is also a celebration which not often is actually celebrated it is the anniversary of my wife and I becoming parents you know, it's a great, great occasion. It's an amazing thing. It's one of the most important days, if not the most important day of my life, having become a father. When we celebrate Rosh Hashanah, we're not celebrating our birthday. We're not celebrating the birthday of humanity only. We're actually supposed to be focusing on celebrating something else. We celebrate the fact that Hashem had been crowned as a king. Our sages tell us, Chazal tell us, there's a difference between the terminology we use as a king, Melech, and Moshel, which means a ruler. One can be a ruler without being a king. A ruler is somebody who who imposes his rulership, his ruling over others. A king is somebody who's actually accepted by his subjects, and and they accept his kingship, they accept his authority, they accept his reign. When we say that God became a king, what we mean to say is that God was accepted as a king. When Adam was created, Adam understood and accepted Hashem as king. On this sixth day, and this is the reason why we say this Mizmor, this psalm on Fridays, is Hashem Malach Geut Lavesh. Hashem was crowned, he became a king. Geut Lavesh, he was dressed in pride and glory. So, Friday of creation was a day that Hashem was a king. He, he reigned as a king. And therefore, every single year, Hashem 
asks us to celebrate with him his anniversary of having become a king. The anniversary of that first day where Hashem was accepted as a king over humanity by Adam recognizing Hashem's greatness and Hashem's existence and rulership over the world. That is the happy side of things. The solemn side of things is that we are judged. And we're precisely judged on this day because it is the anniversary of the creation of humanity. And we need to understand that on this day God does a an analysis, an accounting, a reckoning of where His creation, where the world is heading. This is a day like the anniversary of the creation where God looks at, looks at the future and God assesses what is the world going to look like in the next coming year. What are the goals of God's kingdom? Once God sets out His work and sets out the goals, then He looks at His subjects and He looks at His assets and He understands and He plans ahead. Who will I keep in my workers list, in my who's going to be my cabinet? Who is going to be part of my government? Who is going to be my shaliach, my emissary? Who is going to make sure that humanity achieves its goal in the coming year? And on the day of Rosh Hashanah, God comes down and God, God sees how we are prepared, or if we are prepared, to, rate, to put him as our king, to accept him as our king, and to lead our lives based on that. This is really the, mes- the message I would like to share with you. This is really the, I think, the central theme of Rosh Hashanah. It's a day of judgment, a day of reckoning, because it is when God plans His year, and He wants to know who He can count on. But it's also a day for us to celebrate, and to an extent, I would like to suggest, that Hashem is looking down at us on the day of Rosh Hashanah, and wants to know, are we celebrating that day? But are we celebrating it just because we like to enjoy a good meal? Or are we actually celebrating that He has become a king? Are we happy for the fact that He runs the world? Are we willing to accept His ruling of the world? And if so, if we celebrate that, then we're truly showing that we are subject that Hashem wants to count on. And we are ready to do what it takes to bring Hashem into the world in the coming year. I wish everyone a Shana Tova Umvorechet, a blessed Shana Tova Umtuka, blessed, sweet, happy, and healthy year ahead.
Next, we ha- are going to hear a Dvar Torah from Rabbi Zev Goldberg, who is the rabbi at the Young Israel of Fort Lee in Fort Lee, New Jersey, a position he assumed at this time last year. He is also a teacher at Berea High School for Girls in Elizabeth. Hello, my name is Rabbi Zev Goldberg, and it's an honor to be sharing with you words of Torah. One of the most vivid memories I have as a child in Rosh Hashanah was something I did in Shul called Counting the Pages. You see, I was too young to fully appreciate the tefillah experience, and the only way I was able to gauge how much davening remained was by literally counting the pages that were left in the machzer. 
Baruch Hashem, as I grew older and came to appreciate more and more the words that were found on the pages, I fell in love with the liturgy of Rosh Hashanah. The tefillos that we say are nothing less than remarkable and inspiring. But there's always one question that gnawed at me. You know, the Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah, the first Mishnah, in fact, tells us that on this most solemn day of the year, every creature passes before God like a sheep passing before its shepherd. But Rosh Hashanah, Kolboy Olam Yavrun Lefanov Kivnei Marom. It's on Rosh Hashanah when God decides whether each individual will be inscribed in the Book of Life or, God forbid, in the other book. If that's the case, it's reasonable to expect that our machzer on Rosh Hashanah would be filled with supplications for mercy and forgiveness at this most precarious time. Curiously though, on Rosh Hashanah, these types of prayers are glaringly missing. Our machzer is filled with beautiful tzvilos related to being mamlech, teribono shalom, to coronating God, but there's nothing in the machzer about asking for forgiveness, begging for our lives. Why is this dimension of Rosh Hashanah largely absent from the pages of our prayer books? And the answer, I believe, is based on another teaching from Meseches Rosh Hashanah, this time on Tes Zayin Amad Beis. Rabbi Yitzchak tells us that God only judges man based on his actions of that moment. You know, the common, under- the common understanding of this teaching is that God does not look at our past actions or our future actions when He judges us. Instead, God solely focuses on our present deeds. The Talmud actually derives this concept from God's benevolent judgment of Yishmael, even though his descendants would eventually cause the Jewish people much suffering. But I have another perspective on this Gemara, and it's a perspective that I have developed after spending another year tethered to my phone, my laptop, and my Facebook account. I would like to suggest that we live in a world where there are constant competing forces on our attention. Every chime of our phone, every text message, every email, every tweet, every notification draws us from whatever it is we are attempting to focus on, be it our spouses, children, work, or Torah study. It has become exceedingly difficult to live in the moment and to give our unadulterated attention to those who deserve it most. In a way, meaningful face-to-face interactions will be soon placed on the endangered species list. That's how rare they are. The first step to building any healthy relationship is to acknowledge the other individual, the other party in the relationship. And of course, this holds true for God as well. We will worry about sin and repentance for the remaining eight days of Yaserisim Shuva. But on Rosh Hashanah, we must all we must do is acknowledge God, ba'asher husham, live in the moment, bask in the presence of the Almighty. Give God the attention that He deserves, the attention that we don't necessarily give Him during the rest of the year. It's not an easy task to be ba'asher husham, to be in the moment, particularly for modern man. Undivided attention is a rare commodity. But that's the challenge on this Day of Judgment. Give God your undivided attention. And it's a challenge certainly worth striving for. Best wishes for a Shana Tavah Mituka for a happy and
Miss Roy, listen up. I know this goddess can be tough. We've had our fair share amount of pain. But I'm Miss Royal, don't give up. The finish line is mommy shut. So pack your bags, make game shame, Baldahim. I'm Miss Royal, listen here. I know you've waited years and years. Don't ever think you'd feel us are in vain. For I'm Miss Royal, it is clear. A father can always hear his child when he calls out his name.
Our next Bar Torah is from Rav Judah Michel. Rav Judah and his wife Ora live in Ramat Beit Shemesh, Israel with their five daughters. He is the executive director of Camp Hask, the camp for Hebrew Academy for Special Children, the Jewish community's premier summer camp for individuals with special needs. Rav Judah also teaches at various yeshivot and seminaries in Israel and communities across the United States. Stories told of the Chidush Harim, of Yitzchak Meir of Gur, the first Ger Rebbe lived in the la- earlier part of the 1900s, passed away in 1866. He was the Rebbe for many, many Jews in Poland and throughout the world. And each year, before Rosh Hashanah, he'd receive letters asking for blessings, for guidance. Someone once wrote the Chidusha Rim a letter asking what the most important tefillah, what the most important prayer was to focus on, to put all the chips down on, during Rosh Hashanah, Aseret Nimei Tshuva, and Yom Kippur. And there's a lot of important tefillah that we say, we spend hours and hours of davening in and outside of shul during these days. What was the most important tefillah? Was it during shofar blowing? Was it Nisan Tokef? Is it Ni'ilah? Is it during the 13 attributes during, that we say during Slichos? Is it Tashlich? Is it something that we say in Yom Kippur? Is it something we say in some Gedalia? Is it something we say uh, in, in, in the big Shema at the end of the Yantif? What was the central prayer and the most important thing to keep in mind during these days as a guiding light, uh, and where to invest one's, uh, one's emotional energy and focus. The Chidush Arim responded that among all the important tefillot, among all the important prayers, that which is most central to our observance and getting the most out of these days is the tefillah of Maloch al-Kola Olam Kulo B'chvodecha, where we affirm Hashem as our King, and we ask that Hashem rule over and spread His reign over all of creation. When we affirm HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God, as our King, we're not focused on what we did wrong, on where we fell short, on what goals we didn't achieve, on our mistakes, and on where we want to improve. We simply stand together, Barov Am Hadras Melech. We coronate Hashem as our King, and we affirm that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is at the center of our lives. Rosh Hashanah is not a day of penitence. It's not a day of asking forgiveness. It's not a day of, of clapping al chait, where we pound our chests and think about all those things that we fell short on. But Yismach Melech Ba'amo, of the King of Hashem, taking pride and joy in His nation, and us as a nation, coming together and declaring that Hashem is at the center of our lives and that we are His loyal servants. Not only are Hashem's servants, not only is Hashem Malkeinu, but He's also Avinu. When we come, as we say in Slichos, as paupers and those who are shamefaced because of all of our wrongdoings uh, and, and knock at the door, so to speak, that, that contrite humility really only asks as long, lasts as long as the door remains closed. But in Rosh Hashanah we realize that the door is wide open and then on the other side of it is a loving king who also happens to be our father. And if Hashem is our king and our father, that means that we are the princes and princesses who belong inside of that palace, who have a say in the running of the kingdom, who are charged with a sense of nobility, of responsibility, and have a say in the way that Hashem runs the world. That's what our davening, the premise of our davening on Rosh Hashanah, where we say, Maloch al kol olam kulo, we declare Hashem as hamelech. Ichlum adanim, shtumam takim, the Navi tells us that Rosh Hashanah is a day 
where we celebrate, where we enjoy, where it's filled with simcha, where we eat and we drink, we spend time with family and friends, those who are zocha, those who are able to spend time in the court of the righteous, with the tzaddikim. It's a day of celebrating all together and proclaiming Hashem as king. And there's great rejoicing in that. We blow the shofar the same way that the king was coronated in biblical times. And we do so at Tashlich, where the king was coronated down by the river. And we enjoy with our noble clothing and with great food and good friends and among family, among Klal Yisrael, Betoch Amini, Yoshevet. It's a day of our entire community coming together and declaring Hashem as the center of our lives. Maloch al kol olam kulo. It's not a day of anxiety. It's not a day of, of, of sadness, God forbid. It's not a time for us to be focusing on what needs to be fixed and what we need to do better. But simply how lucky we are to be in the presence of the King, to be His children, and to be all together proclaiming Hashem at the center of our lives. Wishing everybody a ksiva all together to declare Hashem as our King and to affirm our place as His children in a loving and joyous way this year and God willing every year in the Book of the Righteous. Shana Tova. I 
as much as I did and that they helped you gain the right mindset for this time of year to be able to focus on what is important. If you would like to get in touch with any of the speakers or if you have any questions or ideas of topics for me, please feel free to email me at leora at nachumsegel.com, L-E-O-R-A at N-A-C-H-U-M-S-E-G-A-L.com. Also, if you'd like to order last-minute Rosh Hashanah desserts or challah from Instabake, my business, please feel free to email me as well. You can find more information about it on my page on Facebook or Instagram under insta.bake. Lastly, I would like to w- wish everyone a Gemara Chasimatova and a happy, healthy, sweet new year from me and all of us here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Have a great day.